guys. Welcome to The Jig Is Up. My name is Darcy, and tonight we have a bit of a special episode for you. It is a uh, community conversation that we had here in Calgary uh, a couple of nights ago, and uh, it was basically uh, some some elders and some youth sitting down and having a conversation about how do they connect, how do they build more of a community, what does the youth want to see, um, because we have a real, real problem, I think, here in Alberta, and I think uh, it might be a problem that you know, other other provinces are facing, other Métis organizations are facing, which is uh, a lack of engagement from youth. And so I thought this was a really good idea to actually, you know, it seems simple, but it's a really good idea to actually ask the youth what they want. So I was really excited to do this. Now, I have to, uh, you know, say thank you to uh, Joe Pimlot's campaign to for sponsoring this event and, uh, you know, bring in some of the, the refreshments and the snacks that were there. But also, I want to say to you guys, uh, I do apologize if the audio is maybe a little up and down. Um, it was a very large room, and it was hard to um, get a, a, a solid audio. So please forgive us for that. But otherwise, I think it's some very good points brought up by the youth, and it's a, it's actually a very interesting conversation. So I learned a lot from it, and I was really grateful that everybody was there to to speak and to say what they had to say and share what they had to share. So I want to thank everybody that was there. And I hope you guys enjoy our community conversation. All right, welcome to The Jigs Up. My name is Darcy, and we are uh, recording here in the Local 87 uh, here in Calgary. And we have a great group of people here that is going to have a wonderful conversation about everything, about the future of what they want to see in in a nation, in with Métis people uh, locally and provincially, I think, and maybe even beyond that. Um, so I think kind of the consensus with the group was that we would start with connecting um, like the elders and youth. Um, and so I don't know if anybody wants to kick off with their thoughts of where, what does that mean? Where do we start with that? What can we do? I can start with that. Absolutely. As a senior myself, we, we've had a lot of discussions with different people uh, to no avail really, but with the seniors housing, that, that's our big talk. Okay. Seniors housing. We need good seniors housing for people. Not places with two flights of stairs. Mm. You know, I mean, that, this yeah. is a joke. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we need proper proper housing with the main floor. But as well as, as housing and that for, for seniors. I myself, now, when we have any of our AGAs and stuff like that, not so much the AGAs, but the AGMs and other functions, I usually work the kitchen. And I've done it for many, many years. But I'm getting old, and we need younger people. And what mm-hmm. I'd like to see is I'd like to see us get a bunch of young people that would come into that kitchen and learn how to do these functions, how to serve the food, how to prepare the food, how much to prepare at a time, um, you know, what to look for cleanliness. And, like I've had people come in that had big, long hair uh, when I told them to tie their hair back. But what's in it for them? What's in it for them? What's in it for them? They could end up being the top chefs in Calgary. Mm -hmm. You got to start someplace. Mm -hmm. You got to start at grassroots. You know, and the rewards—the rewards are great. I don't get paid for my job, but boy, do I get paid ten times over with the appreciation from the other people and the comments from the food I put out. I just did a thing here on on Thursday. Uh, I mean, I had people coming back and saying, can I have some more? 
You know, now that makes you feel good. When you can put out a meal and people will come back and ask you for more. But what do you think he's going to want these youth that we have here today? We've got about 10 of them here that are, you know, what, what's going to make you guys kind of interested in doing something like that? I think more or less just making it known that the elders want the youth there. Because I don't think that the youth these days understand that. Yeah. I think it's more or less, oh, the elders will do it, or they're going to make this. Yes. Yes. You know, it's not a, why don't you come help? Why don't you volunteer for this? You know, mm-hmm. Letting some of the youth group, Métis or Aboriginal youth groups, know that this is, you're able to do this. Yeah. I think that's a big thing. And we'd appreciate it so yeah. much. Making because, it a learning experience for them too, right? Yeah, so exactly. They, they benefit from, that can help them in their future. Exactly. It should be enough to maybe get somebody to that. I think another big thing is like how you market it. Like, cause if we don't know, we can't show up. So it's, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. They they made it a broad advertisement, like we do need volunteers, but but they don't really go into it. Like, you know, what are you going to do, and and what are you going to learn from it? And and for me, I don't like a volunteer just coming into the kitchen for a volunteer. I would like somebody to come in there that's interested. Like how how do we present this food? What how should we lay it out? What what makes it look nice on the tray? You know, do we have to have a whole lot on that tray to make it appealing? No, we don't. You know, let's place it so it looks appealing. But there's really not that much there. You know, and and little tricks like that that we can pick up and do. And you guys could take that and then from there on go into a class for for um, to be a cook or. A, or, you know, a chef, right? Just yeah. at home, like, trying to cook our own meals, like... Exactly. Rice and chicken. Exactly. <laughs> so, so kind of like the skills and benefits of learning from one of our BT seniors or elders, you know, and how that can actually encompass your everyday lives, mm-hmm. you know, by going to these uh, these jobs or learning new, uh, new skills or trades. You're learning from those individuals who have known this stuff for decades, and they want to pass that information on to that next generation so that you guys have the tools to be able to do the exact same thing in 40 or 50 or 60 years. Mm-hmm. But unless you guys are physically there, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So my question is, why are you guys not coming to the events? What is the reasons why and how can we, as the older generation, help with that? What do we need to do to entice you to be able to come to the event so that you're actually able to do stuff like this? I think for me, like, I've always wanted to do a lot of volunteer work, but I didn't know where to find it. So then on my education page, I started posting volunteer options. So that's how I found out about them. So if there was, like, ways you could, like, post that at our school somehow. I think it comes back to awareness Mm -hmm. and that you start knowing that this help is wanted or necessarily needed. Yeah. So maybe with social media, that would be a huge... Does the local Lady 7 in Calgary have a Facebook page? They do, absolutely. I have no idea. But then if you don't follow them, then you wouldn't know either. Yeah, and so. she, she had a good good point there. They said we put up notices in the schools. Yeah, yeah like reach out to our yeah. advisors. Like because them, that's like, where you would see it. Yeah, and if they, like, they word it where it's like, this will be a great opportunity for your... Um, future and help you. Well, I think, you know, uh, with some university programs that are out there, and even to get into law school, into a doctorate, 
you have to have volunteer time in. Does it matter where that volunteer time comes from? Or should it be with our people, volunteering with our own people for our own future? What do you guys think? I agree with that. I think there's, with all the universities and stuff now, I think all, all of them in Calgary have a dedicated Indigenous centre. Yeah. And I think that would be a critical area to post notices, to have information on bulletins. Um, because that is where all the Indigenous students go to meet. Well, maybe not all, but that's where the majority of them go to meet. I think that should be more of a thing, too. There should be more meetings for, you know, yeah. our age at universities and at high schools to have gatherings and to spread the, you know, what's going on and... Well, then I, what I was hearing was a lot of, would it be possible to have like a dedicated, like, uh, I guess, so, elders and youth group that get together and do things together? Like, important. 100%. We need that. Yeah. I was part of an event this past weekend with all the post-secondary institutions, like Bow Valley, the Real, um, some Robertson, UFC, um, I can't There was like... Yeah, there was like six of them. And so it was to welcome the first year students. Everybody has, all the post-secondary have their own email address. How we were able to reach um, the indigenous students is send it to their email. And so you have to be able to access the indigenous center. Like everybody has because I was at Bow Valley today to talk about what I do, right? And that was kind of hard. But that's part of my job is to engage the elders and the youth. Because I've been working with youth for almost 23 years. And I work with seniors and elders, and I've been doing it for the last 10 years. And I run a grandmother's circle where we invite, we have 25 grandmothers to show, actually we're doing canning, <laughs> But how to make a traditional ribbon skirt. Why do you need a ribbon skirt? Or how to do the moccasins because you have to, um, for ceremony. And we opened up the ceremonies to like pipe ceremonies. But I was told when I approached, because I offered tobacco to one of our leaders, our Métis leaders, and she said, we don't do that. You're Métis. And I'm like, but I'm 18, and I grew up that way. And so learning those traditions, those indigenous traditions, like the pipe ceremony, why do we wear a skirt? Um, but we meet once a month, those grandmothers, we meet them once a month, we get, we have a meal, and then they, we invite the young ladies to come and learn some of their culture, like if it's indigenous. Um, we have a few Métis, we have Inuit, so we open it up to everybody. But, but we have to it's reaching out the problem is is low-lying fruit what we are capable of doing inside the nation we talk about these things the ribbon skirts the traditions and everything else the youth isn't ready to acknowledge that and to embrace it it will come as we plant seeds for the for our future the the aboriginal spirit the metis spirit will come out in our youth i truly believe but we have to give it to them. And how do we present it to you youth in such a way that you're going to want to come in and start to participate in this kind of thing with the future? Couldn't you use uh, businesses like that 
I guess because it's two different generations, right? So us kids are very modern generation. We go to coffee, interesting coffee places, make drug marks, you know, different places we can get an Instagram-worthy photo. And the older generation isn't quite used to that. And that's just how we even communicate within our friends is by photos mm-hmm. now. So finding a business to kind of be the foundation of that, and it doesn't always have to be the same business, but it could be a place where we both meet and we teach about what why we're interested in that. And then we also get to have a sorts of conversation with our elders and then it creates a relationship and then you just keep building off of it. So one week it's Luke's drug mark. Next week you're going to Marcus's and, or it doesn't even necessarily have to be food. Maybe, Hey, we want to teach you how to make moccasins this week. And then what are you going to do? That's going to attract the youth that's youthful because we don't know anything about moccasins. Yes. Some of us, like I'm sure as women, lots of us want to learn about it because I always have. But it's, it'll be harder to bring in some people that aren't interested. In like, it. even so, me, myself, like if there was a moccasin, you know, at Stanley Park or something, I would 100% bring my girlfriend or something like that. You know what I mean? That's an experience that I would like to enjoy, and I'm sure mm-hmm. I would like to share with somebody else, but there's no, there's no, I have no knowledge of anything like that happening. Yeah. But they did like have it at the regional office. They had beating, they had moccasin making, they had fiddle contests. So, where was the youth? You say that you want those cultural pieces, but they're out there and it, it's posted, it's sent but through it's, email. But it's not being posted. We're not seeing We're not seeing yeah, it. It's, yeah, not it's obvious. It's mm-hmm. not yeah. the right yeah. places. Yeah. Even so it was posted. We, I think what we're hearing here is that we, want, we have a, a, a need, a want, that is just not getting out there. So we have to, it's not even reinventing the wheel. We don't even have a wheel to get this knowledge out to our youth. So the youth are, are, are the whole key to this. You, you're the ones that understand Instagram. You're the ones that understand everything out there. I don't. I can barely get the messages off my phone. So what, you know, Instagram is an idea. The Facebook pages. Snapchat, posters. Twitter. Posters. 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 posters in your schools. No. No. <laughs> No, we'd walk Everybody right past that. Everyone's so glued to their phone. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. 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 I think the location has to speak to both. Like, yeah. like you're saying, so if it's a place like Stanley Park or it's in, you know, something like the Legion or whatever, we might not go to the necessary places to see that, oh, the Legion's hosting this event. But we do go to places like Stanley Park. It's like, oh, did you know they're going to be doing this? Or why are all those people over there? And then you start focusing on because it's more beautiful to be doing those things. And so it has to speak to both location-wise, I think. What about like a... As safe, they have the Chinook Lodge. I know I know that like specifically in there, do you guys connect with one specific person? Or? It's usually yeah, the same people that are working in those in the lodges or in the indigenous centers. So if the youth stays, um, uh, they want to participate, they have that outlet with those people at these centers. So I think we just need to get the awareness out and get the youth to go to their indigenous centers. I've been to the one at SAFE, and there's barely anybody in there. And they include the Indigenous as Métis, First Nation, Inuit, 
all of them, and you still see barely anybody. In. Mm-hmm. I washed clothes with my advisor when I was at UC, um, but then I went to Mount Royal, and now I have my program advisor, so I go to her for everything because she's one I need answers for. So I don't go to the Miskin Center at Mount Royal ever really because I'm just so busy with oh, my. Yeah, I know. And I went to I was at the Native Center a lot when I was at UC, but now I haven't really even been in there much. So what I started the process, um, because like I said, that was part of it. So I was meeting with all the indigenous liaisons, the workers at the center. How am I going to, because I, I do the news bulletin, so how am I going to get them to get the information because there's lots of events out there, there's lots of resources. So what we started the process is like, because everybody has an ID. So and that's how they reached him. So that's what we're going to do is we're going to send the email to the students directly so that they have that voice or that communication. Because it's always communication. Um, that's the problem, right? Um, I'm a part of the Aboriginal Awareness Week. So we have Instagram, we have Facebook, we have Twitter. Who can keep up? We have to have one person to man social media just for what three weeks constantly that's an eight hour drop is to post it but i i don't think that that's any one person is going to do that everybody has to work for a living so what i see maybe everybody else uh, can come up with some ideas the region the regional office has to step up the regional office has not been uh, aware they have not been very vocal they have not been in, in vision of today's youth to be able to get that message out there. And so how do we get regional office to step up and make sure that these things are happening? Because, you know, it, it just takes one or two, and then they talk to four and eight. I, I think fundraising and holding successful yeah, yeah. events will, you know, probably bring their attention yeah. to it, too. Like, kind of, like you said, it comes down to like the grassroots of it. I think it's kind of up to us to have a successful event and have successful fundraising. To get the attention. Okay. What's the fundraising for? Fundraising would be for something as simple as, you know, going for a camping trip with, you know, 12 youth kids and taking them out and doing the beat and doing the moccasins and, you know, raising enough money, taking the kids afterwards to the hockey game. Like, all that stuff's very easily donated by other people. And just having the success of doing that should, should bring enough attention to, you know, the success with the youth. So I think they're probably, it's the same as them. Like, we're not seeing anything from them, but they're not seeing anything from us. But so it's kind of stagnant. How do we get Métis looking after Métis? Because right now we're kind of talking about, about you know, First Nations, the Inuit, Métis. We're looking at Indigenous groups. But I don't just see somebody stepping up with our community to say, okay, let's just take care of our community. Let's do this. Let's find a way to start engaging our youth where the adults make sure that their kids know about it, the grandparents know that their grandchildren know about it. You know, everybody points the finger at everybody else saying they should do this, they should do that, we can do this, we can do that, put it on social media. But everybody knows about these things, but they let the ball drop from there. Can I can I ask, like, is would it work to get, be on an email list where you get a weekly email of events? But you have you have to actually have to go and sign up for the list. And the reason I ask that is because there's very, very economical technology out there where you know you guys can all sign up on the on the website and on your phone you can sign up whatever you're using and then 
one person, say at the regional office, could spend 15 minutes a, a week, and they can do an email blast to up to, I think it's up to 2,000 people at once. So, and I mean, that that honestly would cost, I think it costs about 45 bucks Canadian a month to be able to do that. But it also it gives you the ability to have a website that's interactive and things like that. But beyond that, would an email work? Would that be to, like a simple, yes, just an email know, list? I think it would hurt, like any kind of outlet. Because you guys all have email, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, or, or like if there's a special event coming yeah, up, okay, yeah. you do that. But like typically if there's two events going to happen this month, okay, we'll send an email out saying here's these two events and boom, there you go. Yeah. Um, and then if, if you know somebody and you say, hey, you guys, you should sign up for the, and they can sign up on the website. Because the other thing that I'm thinking too is we talk about youth, but we're talking about youth that are here in Calgary. What about all the youth that are coming from Edmonton to go to school in Calgary and they don't know anybody here? How do they connect? with the community and how do the youth from BC that come to the university of Calgary connect? Yeah. They don't know anybody here. So, so there's also those issues that I see. And we actually did an episode about that. And that's where a lot of people were falling down as they weren't connecting. They would go across the country to go to school and then they're out of their community. They know nobody. They're not involved in events. They don't know how to get a hold of events, find events. I think going back to the yeah. email list, because when you register, you put, you mark down if you want to say you're, an AT person. Uh, so you're automatically put aside on this email list. And so every indigenous event that goes on is sent to that, to that email. So I think the email and social media are going to be the two biggest uh, problem solvers here. And maybe that's something the region can work with the universities. I know it's a privacy law, but maybe they could work something out where in the, there's a disclaimer saying, are you okay with sharing this with the local... Métis regional office or something, so that we're you're they're collecting all those emails and they know who's in who's Métis in the city. That's because that's nobody's done it yet. But it's being aware, and that idea was supposed to be there, and that was the whole purpose of being able to mark whether you're Métis or not, along to let the government know how many Métis that were registered as, as students. Right, but it, but nobody's going from the regional office to the universities that are asking that question. Because the universities are collecting that for their information to get funding from the government. They don't care about the MNA. So to go to them and, and negotiate and say, look, because it, it, it is a privacy law. You can't, they can't share that with you. But to go there and say, could you put a disclaimer? Would you ask people if they'd be willing to share, if they're Métis, share their email with the regional office so that we can contact them and, and bring them into our community? I mean, these are just ideas. but Because I see a huge... Yeah, just a huge disconnect there. So I, I do have a, qu- a couple of questions quickly. Um, first one is geared towards our younger generation. What do you want to get out of your elders or your seniors? What are you looking for when it comes to engaging in the dialogue with your seniors? Because the reality is we all come and go. And if our younger generation doesn't get involved in working with our seniors to gather that knowledge, it will be lost. So what do you guys want to get out of it? I think I saw that somebody wrote on the seniors uh, sheet there, the storytelling. I think the youth would find that 
quite enjoyable to hear stories from elders as they grew up, how they experienced life, how they learned their traditional ways. I think that would be a huge stepping stone with the youth to get them more involved and keep them interested. Even having something where it's like we have a chance to learn history from somebody like, you know, there's not, it could be something as simple as going on like a, a field trip. I don't mind. Mom mentioned you were thinking about getting a bus. Like something like that, you know, take us to somewhere where, you know, maybe people contributed yeah, to the province and, you know, see like you can actually learn firsthand. It's almost like a mentor. Yeah. Yeah. Just more access to knowledge is probably the most most important that's the most enticing cultural teachings because a lot of the youth that i work with have no idea you know as much as we try and show them the different things we only know so much right so it'd be good to have the elders support with that and coming in and teaching our younger generations as well not just us young adults absolutely and that's one of my biggest concerns is we do live in a throwaway society but from a cultural perspective you know we did make moccasins and we made coats we had all of those things. We worked with beads so that we had really nice stuff all the time. And when it uh, got worn out, yeah. we ended up making more. Mm-hmm. And I do believe that if we don't engage our seniors and our elders with that knowledge, that stuff is going to go with it. But it's going to take a team to do that. Mm-hmm. It's going to take the youth. It's going to take the leadership. And it's going to take the seniors all to do that together to get everybody together regularly, you know, once a month, twice a month, three times a month, whatever it may be. But we need to do it as a team and as a community in order to pass that information down. Is that better for you youth to see that at the local level or the regional office level? Where would you like to gather? I don't really know what you mean by regional office. Regional office is for head office here is Calgary, where Calgary. the president is and, and where their office is. Okay. And then we have the local here, which is the Métis owned building. This is our building. So, uh, what do you guys think? I'd say local. Yeah. I feel like it's more relatable. Because this is the, the one thing that I that you said a little bit earlier about how you've had all these events with beading and with moccasin making and everything else. It's always been at regional office rather than utilizing this great building that we have right now, right here, and getting funding to fix it up and do the things that we want as a community. And I think um, uh, historical practices with the locals and history with the locals, I think that was a deterrent for people to join. Um, And the, I think there was a fear when it came to the locals and also to in, in joining that because there was a lot of disruption and there was a lot of, it was, uh, how would you say that, non-organizing. So it was, what's local? How do I get involved? It was just like, a, it was just like a, a click. You have to be part of the click to join. And you didn't know, and it's like, so what do I do, right? But then you start to become involved, and it's like, so much to do. But there's there's so much, there was so much, almost such a lack of communication. Yeah, that 
it was so hard to get stuff done. And it was so hard. I think one of the key is the relationship part of our community is that we didn't have a community to move forward. Where are the 16,000 Métis that live in Calgary? How do we get to them? Like, we, we talk about, so what are we going to do? So I've tried, but I got so scared. <laughs> I got so scared that I didn't want to say anything anymore. It's like, am I going to get yelled at? Or am I going to get pushed away? Um, I had a suggestion that we should set up a recruitment for membership at our function. And then, then politics got involved, right? But and they go, no, you can't do that. This is supposed to be for the kids. Well, no, because these people want to sign up. They want more of this stuff. They want to be part of the community. But when your leadership or your electives or your people in those roles say, no, you can't do it, because it's always saying no, no, no. So what's the move forward position? Everything's happened in the past in the past. We have to move on. What would our youth like to see in a move forward position to be able to get to the point where you guys can feel involved, you want to be involved, you want us to be a part of the vocal, you want to help out the seniors? How do we move forward? You know, change is never linear, right? It's always incremental. So I think starting, having some kind of starting point and doing small things should be the main objective for now. Mm -hmm. You have to start doing small things and bringing more youth in and creating more awareness and then that will eventually build on itself and then eventually if it does come down to the office like so are you guys willing to make that commitment to make that commitment to start to move forward are you willing to say hey let's meet next monday and start our youth group and let's let's get on it and work with our local to do something for our seniors are you willing to do that absolutely yes it's just it'll take time to cover every part of that, but I think the youth here are willing to and to move forward and to forget about maybe that past way of thinking that you were talking about that the local seems to have in their minds. So and to be more accepting for all, for youth, adults, seniors, to have everyone's voices heard mm-hmm. and to make them feel like they're being kind of just like hurt yeah, just heard and part of to, a group. Yeah. Exactly. I think the word is community. <laughs> there you go. As one nation, right? Yeah. We all talk about being forward as one nation. How, are you willing to make that committee? Like if, I, if I had a chance, I just started art school today. If I had a chance to sit at a kiosk or like a school event, you could count me in 100%. You know what I mean? Things like that. Having a presence in places where there is no presence is, yeah. is really important. And just because there's a, like, you know, there's the law school center at my school, that's, you know, that's me not talking to another youth about what's going on. It'd be nice to have a youth presence. What about some... I just want to say, oh, like, because I can tell, like, all you guys have a lot of support. I don't know if like, so that can be a commitment thing, which is terrifying for me. But what if, say, you connected with your um, resource center, say if you guys came out and volunteered or did a few things with us that maybe when it came to the quilting making or the moxie making then you know we all pitch in a couple bucks or whatever and then you guys are covered for that cost because I know as a student you would get a lot of money 
So that can be hard. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, I don't think people have experience. I used to work with youth in Florida and I worked with youth there. So I know for my kids, they love to volunteer. But it was nice for them to be appreciated. And then the more that opened up, the more we had gentle elders come in and teach them. Because if you have a cranky elder, I'll tell you, kids do not want to be there. <laughs> and I've seen that a zillion times. I don't want to be there. Yeah, certain you know? people are better at teaching them. Absolutely. Course. So it's nice for you guys to maybe have a liaison that you could go to and say, oh my God, all of you trying to do is this. Yeah. Kind of a middleman, middle, middle <laughs> yeah, ground. And that person can deal with it. Would that draw you? I think so. Yeah. And then you that takes more of the commitment <coughs> off of us and kind of brings in the centers at the schools and gets them more involved. And then, too, not only are you giving back to the community, which is a huge reward, it's artificial. Mm -hmm. You used to assist the elders. So it's important to bring that back, but by building upon that, maybe you can bring that back to our youth. And we can have that for our elders and then on top of it. How do we how do we bring mentorship into it? I know Blake, you had mentioned that earlier about a mentorship program with the youth and the I was, uh, like, I was just thinking about it too, like there needs to be like a young adult. I got I'm not sure how you guys how old you guys are, but I'm like twenty eight. You know what I mean? So there is, like, if there was some kind of liaison, like you were saying, to find the right elder to connect with the youth, like, there's got to be, we just got to find a way to bridge the gap between somebody that can, you know, communicate that properly and, you know, get the right people together to create yeah. a conversation better. But mentorship, like, you know, it's simple, simple things like, like the, like the moccasins and stuff like that. It's just a matter of, you know, having people come together and do something together. Maybe that sense of community. Mm -hmm. The more you're around that, the more you'll want to be around it more, I guess. Would, would starting simple be, like if you, I, I know uh, my wife organized an Indigenous book club, and for the first three or four, it was like her and another person. But she just stayed consistent with every third Monday of every month, and eventually it started to grow. So would something simple like meeting here once a month just for coffee and just to kind of have a casual social night be something where if you know it's on this night every month, maybe you can't make it some nights, some months, maybe you can, but just knowing that that's consistent and it's always there, whether one person shows up, whether a hundred show up, but just would something simple like that help or would it like, cause then things could grow from there. Right. Yeah. But to try to start just planning events and all this, it almost seems overwhelming just from sitting here listening. So I don't know if something simple like that would help. Maybe. I think at this point, anything will help. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah. Just saying. Um, <laughs> the bar is really low. Yeah. And, and honestly, with, with something like that, with uh, with these you know, young adult clubs or whatever you want to call them, personally, I think you need to have a senior elder there all the time mm -hmm. for guidance. You know, maybe in the beginning, maybe all the time, but I think that's critical because if you want to get in touch with those individuals, you have to start somewhere. They know how to do that. They've lived it. So I think that might be important. You know, we have seniors that want to reach out, that want to teach you what they know. 
we started that a long time ago, and I don't know what happened to it, but people didn't show up. Because we had a youth, youth and seniors group. I was one of them that went and spoke yeah. with them and took in pictures, and, you know, to show them. Not just talk, but show them. This is the picture of what, how I lived at this place and how we lived at that place. And this is the kind of building we lived in. And, you know, this kind of thing. And it went over so well. And then just... Seems like the invitation was getting lost. Like, people were interested, but somehow we weren't hearing it. So I didn't even know about these things going on. So now if mm-hmm. I'm on an email list, then I can tell my friend. And... You know, word of mouth, one person gets the, gets the email, they'll tell a friend who will tell a friend who will tell a friend who will tell a friend, and eventually it'll build. Yeah. But it, there has to be that consistency and that constant communication going for that to happen. One thing that, uh, that I, I agree with, and again, with Métis helping Métis, and, you know, as you grow up in a community in my business, and what I've done, you grow up with those people and you become friends and you start doing business together. If we created a, a Métis economy where the Métis used the, each other mm-hmm. rather than going outside and using a non-Métis business, how would you feel about that, about you know, supporting each other and supporting each other in business? I'd rather that. Yeah. So actually, looking online kind of to that, uh, for a Métis business directory, in Ontario, they actually have an online website that's open to all public. Uh, if you're a business owner and you need services done, you need an electrician, you want to go shop at a Métis-owned grocery store, it's all listed there. And those Métis businesses, they may pay a certain annual fee to be listed there, but then at least they get to have their company put out there. In Alberta and other provinces, there's no Métis business directory. So if at least somebody starts to put that together, that might help out with promoting Métis or Métis. So do you guys think that might benefit Region 3 when it comes to looking for a, I don't know, a Métis um, plumber or electrician or somebody that can fix your car or somebody that has a, you know, a restaurant, uh, a, a small business where they, uh, they create clothing, stuff like that that we normally wouldn't have in the general public access to something like that at our fingertips, through out of the regional office, and there could be a. And with you know the business and and Métis businesses, eventually it grows to the point where Métis businesses are hiring Métis. Mm-hmm. And we support the economy that way. We support each other. So rather than the money going to non-Métis businesses and organizations, we take care of ourselves because the government's not going to take care of us and industry's not going to take care of us. We have to take care of ourselves. The Métis were the economy of this country. The Métis were the backbone of the economy for the 17, 1600s of our history. Mm-hmm. And yet, how many youth of you youth knew that we were the backbone, the Métis were the backbone of the economy. I don't think too many. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's there. It's it's just the way it was. The Métis were the ones that basically started, you know, moved everybody out west to build this country. Without the Métis, we wouldn't be sitting here. 
So I think we we're basically the original entrepreneurs. You know, when you look at what we did back in the day to be able to survive, we had to uh, modify how we lived in working with the settlers and working with, you know, our First Nations brothers and sisters to be the mediators and whatnot. We were those individuals that did that. And we are still those individuals. We just need to start doing it all again in a much bigger scale. So any of you youth that want to start your own business, how do you think you go about it? I, like, I don't know. I, I am starting my own business. And um, my mom grew up, me and Blade both up with a lot of pride in our culture. And so we were very fortunate in growing up that way because I know not everybody is. So we always knew that we were amazing. And we had lots of culture in our house. And <coughs> And we were always honored that way. So, like, for me, opening my business was always a... But I also worked for EMS, too. So I worked with Aboriginals and Métis all the time. And I talked to them all the time. And so it was always something that was really, really important to me to make sure I incorporate my business with them. So whether that's hiring different staff, teaching different staff, raising money for equipment or anything. And so, but the, I don't know if that's just me. I can't speak for every entrepreneur because I feel like I was lucky enough that my mom made sure that we valued our culture and so making sure that youth is aware it's something to be valued not because of your grants or your bursaries or things you can get from the government but there's something to be had there about learning about your elders and your ancestors and what they've done for you and your family to make sure that you survived and then respecting your elders when you're in the presence of them like me well blade wasn't there but i had the opportunity to watch my dad go through a naming ceremony, and I've never done anything like that. I got to sit in TP, um, and that was two or three weeks ago. And I just remember, at, like, as one of the elders was speaking, I've never met him in my entire life. My eyes were welting with tears. He wasn't even telling a sad story or anything, but just the fact that his story meant so much to him, it made me so emotional. And just a powerful experience from that, I've never gone through in my entire life. And I would hope that now that I have, that maybe just by me saying that to everybody, that they should try it. And if they ever get the opportunity to go into a TV with an elder, that they should absolutely, absolutely go for it. And even smudging sessions or anything that will like bring awareness to what we used to do. And, you know, beating, moccasin making and everything, learning how to cook. Nobody in my generation can cook the way an elder can cook. Nobody can cook like my mom. She can make, she make toast with butter on it, and it'll taste better than if I made the same damn toast with butter on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, seriously, and it's just like, we're losing that. Yeah. We lose it every day. I feel like something for me, like I almost feel embarrassed to like, go to places, I'm like, oh, they're going to think what's this blonde girl doing here. Mm-hmm. And so like, just like more recognition for that, like it doesn't matter what shade you are, what whatever, it's like mm-hmm. you're Métis or mm-hmm. So it's... Like, I remember when I uh, entered UC for the Native Center, and I was so scared. I'm like, Mom, they're going to think I'm... Like, I was just so scared. And then I went there, and, like, she works with them now, and they're all, mm-hmm. like, the same as me. So yes. Yeah. And, like, that can stop people. Like, I would probably not go to, like, those things, because that would be nervous. I, I had the opportunity when I lived in Saskatchewan. It's totally different out in Saskatchewan, I find, in Alberta. And I also worked for EMS in uh, Saskatchewan. And I remember I used to go to the gas stations with my grandma, who's whole Aboriginal, 
and like the the looks I would get because I'm a blonde girl. <laughs> I I remember that I was like I should really overemphasize the word grandma because I think they think that I'm trying to rip somebody off. Or <laughs> it was awful, but but really like there's just a, such a beautiful part to our culture mm-hmm. and like learning about history. And I remember I used to think I not necessarily was above it, but it didn't interest me until I had the opportunity of living in Saskatchewan with my grandma and learning all her little traits and all the little things that she does. And I didn't have that aside from my mom. And so it just was a really interesting experience. And I think that like, if the youth really, really knew that, because like, if you would have told me that 10 years ago, I probably would have nodded and agreed and be like, yeah, but it sounds really cool. But until you're in it and you like, especially when you're another young person telling another young person that, it, there's nothing better. And so, then you really value it. So saying that, what do you think that your nation, if, in a perfect world, what would you like them to be able to provide for you as a young adult, as uh, a senior, as somebody in their you know 40s, 50s? What would you like them to provide for you just like mainstream society provides for mainstream society? I think for me, it's the understanding of what it means to be Métis. And again, I'm not talking government-wise. I'm talking about like actual culture, cultural-wise. Because I think, obviously, Métis and Aboriginals and all the other ones kind of, they have their own things. And so and if you don't understand it, like if I wouldn't have paid attention, being Métis just meant in high school that you're happy. Yeah. That's all you know. So yeah. it's, yeah, I don't know my bloodline. I don't know anything. And that's just me speaking honestly. So... Mm-hmm. It's what does it mean to be a Métis, and what what does it actually mean to be a Métis, and what kind of traditions did my grandparents grow up with? What did my grandparents do? Did my grandparents go to residential schools, or did they live a really nice life? Or, you know, there's so many different little intricacies that you have to learn about, but I just find that in school, when they teach, they educate you on our culture, it's just school, and you don't necessarily They almost blow past it. Yeah. yeah, it's really, like Hitler's more important than it's a big like, get a chapter on Louis Real, and that's yeah. about it. Yeah, well, yeah. Cool. and then like the now, education like program. You can kind of feel the shift, though. Like, yeah, it's the a Métis big is like starting to to recognize the youth, which other First Nations groups aren't doing. Right? Yeah, so I feel like that's that's a huge plus for young Métis kids. That not a lot of people probably don't even know they are Métis, right? So, but knowing that we're still being acknowledged as the youth is is definitely different than any other First Nation missions. Well, definitely even, something to feed off of. Even like the ceremonies and stuff, like I talk about moccasin making and eating and all that stuff, that's, that's amazing stuff and I'm a creative person so I like it. But if I'm not creative, that's probably not what's going to like, make me want to go. It's more so storytelling. I find that so interesting when I listen to storytelling um, and smudging ceremonies and the different things, the chanting and like yeah, again, if you would have told me a long time ago that I'd find those things interesting, like especially in school, like junior high, high school, I probably wouldn't have believed you. And then, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of weeks ago there, I was crying when some guy I never met before was talking to. And, like, I was so embarrassed, I didn't even know what to do. <laughs> I, I think he just hugged me and he said, it's going to be okay. I was like, okay. <laughs> but I think there's that, a lot of value there. Yeah. And I think that's one of our, our one of the issues is our identity. Only been in the last 20 years that we were that we have been acknowledged as Métis because I remember growing up and then my cook home did all that beating. We they like grew up Métis and 
I it was drilled in my head, you're a Métis, but I grew up real Métis where mainstream would chase us down and the First Nations would run after us. I remember running home, right? And be, I, I remember being caught in the middle and being discriminated by both. And, and they, so you were instilled, you're Métis, you're that, this is what it means, right? So there was no benefit, there was no nothing, it was just who you are. But I think the identity piece is just coming out, right? And I think that's part of our struggle because we're still trying to find our way in the Western, in the Western world, right? And so identifying as Métis, are you proud of being Métis? For me, I know what it's like to be Métis, right? Um, I always tell the story about, they say the ditch people, and I always never knew what that meant, the ditch people. Well, that was, they were given houses or patches of land along the side of the road, and I just never, never understood it until in my adulthood. And now when I think about it, well, all my cousins looked along the side of the road on Sunday, you go visiting after church, so they were all alongside the road. But that's history, right? See, that they refer to as uh, the ditch people. Road, road allowance people. Yeah. And so I didn't know what that meant. But that was specific for Métis, right? Because when they thought Métis, they were, they were um, what would they say, squabbers or? Squatter. Squatter, there we go. Um, that's what they were, and they didn't belong, and so they weren't part of anything, so the self-identification was not a positive one. But for me, it just clicked, oh, that's what that meant, right? This is coming back, because my cookum and my mushroom, uh, my mushroom spoke French, or Métis, like, that's why our languages are all um, mixed up, but it's like, they, they, they hit it, so... But it's what just, I'm hearing, I think, is we want our own identity. We want to find a place where we can, like-minded people, so we can congregate. And I think you said the word church. We have a church here. What would you, you think about having your own Métis church where the Métis people come together? We can have smudging ceremonies in the church. We can bring together those kind of things. But what, what do you think of that? What do you think of, of, of being able to come together on Sunday and, and having that day of, of recognition and acknowledgement with each other? That's cool. I like the idea if you did it regularly because then it's not a commitment. Just like with us being in school and stuff like that, it'd be nice if it's like, oh, I can't come this day, then I can come another day. Yeah, I'll just come smudge to some stories and whatnot. You know, something that's not as formal, I think, if that makes sense. Because I know with our, our younger youth, they're not going to come with school church. Yes. That's just how they are these days. They need something that's more low-key, something that's more relaxed. You know, just from what I've seen from the youth that I would get to hear what they're doing in the They're trying to change the church where it's a happy place to go. So that could be a segue to the but it's a place where we could come together as a, as a people from, from all parts of the city and use our own building to to decide on, on what we do want to worship, cherish. What uh, what do you 
you guys think? Yeah, I think having anywhere for money to get together, right? It's just yeah. a matter of, like I was saying earlier, it could be at a city park or it could be at a, you know, trying to do things that don't have, that have little cost to them. You know, like, you know, you could easily gather the youth at an outdoor hockey rink during the wintertime. Yeah. That costs nobody anything. Be here on Sundays, you know, bring bring whoever you want, your kids, your own uncles and nephews, and whoever you want. Things like that. Having just a place for them to come together is, whether it's here or anywhere, I think is just probably the, the main thing to try to do. Yeah. So is, as far is, as go ahead. Then, what do you, uh, the youth want in business? What can the seniors pass on in their careers as as businessmen, as uh, business owners, as working uh, entrepreneurs. Does anybody have any thoughts on that? I'm going to be an artist, so I'm going to be broke for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're oh, go, no good. Uh, I'm in the Bachelor of Education, so I want to be a teacher. So I think for me, it'd be like ways to provide authentic experiences for my students, like. If I could have like an elder or something to like really provide an authentic experience, because if I try to teach these lessons, like it might come across as like I don't know, like they might not fully get it. But if I can like give them really authentic, see <coughs> what you're saying. Yeah. Once, if you can get used to doing it, and when you become a teacher, yeah, then you would be able to hold classes and have somebody come in to teach the old way. Yeah. I run. I ran into a uh, a young lady. Well, she's uh, she's uh, 26 years old. She's a young BT teacher. Actually, teaches uh, sixth grade at a private school. I was at the uh, pride parade. She happened to be standing beside me. She was extremely proud of her her culture and her heritage, uh, but she found that it was quite difficult to get individuals to come to be able to facilitate uh, to her classes that even to her, uh, her colleagues about the Métis culture. And this is where that disconnect happens. It's if we don't have our younger generation learning from our seniors and our elders, you know, and our entrepreneurs about our culture, about our, our, our drive, about how, how strong we are as a people, and getting that knowledge and information and history, how are we supposed to be able to teach that third generation that's just starting to blossom? It's not going to happen. So we need to do it. We need to do it very, very soon because we have our seniors. We have our very successful entrepreneurs that are willing to hire BT, that are willing to educate BT, that are willing to apprentice BT youth, but they're not being utilized. I think there's... All right. Um, I think we have to go back to the, the foundation of BT, right? Because the basics of BT, making history, because um, I was trying to develop a, just for my own parent, my grandchildren and the kids that I was working with, uh, what is Métis, right? Because I'm trying to get them to jig, trying to get them all to do the Orange Blossom special. And I'm like, how am I going to get them involved? Well, I was going to, so we're going to get them passion, right? Just to make fun. But they go, well, what is Métis? And I'm like, how do I explain it? So I had to be develop a PowerPoint to explain what the colors of the sash were. What does the sash mean? What is the infinity? What does it mean? Um, all the colors. Because 
I have to do all that research just to teach them what it is, right? So that <laughs> but there's stories. You hear those stories about the rebellion. Um, like when I went to Ottawa, I was taken to where Louis Riel was shifting through from white, uh, like the whole town. But those stories, the Seven Oaks story, they, I didn't know that. Um, I didn't know all the key players into who was. Dumont, and then the story behind that. And so I have to do all that, and that's a part of history that we're missing, right? Um, we need that curriculum, like that kind of, like, so what those colors mean? We need that curriculum, that power, well, I have to program where it is now, but... Um, but right now, what do you youth think being Métis is? It's as simple as that. What do you think? With me, I'll tell you what it is for me. It's not having to wear a sash or be able to jig. With me, the came with it out of my life is probably the fierceness that I can't fight. And probably the person that I saw that most in, it was uh, with Marlene Lance, who's mad. I, had, I don't know any other person that had a more fierce look in her eye. And to me, that's the fierceness that comes with the Métis. The undying, undying uh, ability to not give up. And to me, that's that's it inside of me. But what do you guys feel inside of you? Anything yet? Yeah, it'll come. I feel like surface level right now. Just like my mom's first nations and my dad's Irish. And then that's kind of what I think Métis is. Like, it's me. <laughs> so it's so very it's surface mixed level. Blood. Like, yeah, it's just not yeah. a very deep understanding. Okay. Um, you can read little quotes, but uh, Louis Riel said, "My people will sleep for one hundred years, but then when, when they awake, it will be the artists who give them their spirit back." I'm going to art school. Yeah, so. you are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty good about that. Yeah. So hopefully, I know we're a little past one hundred years now, but hopefully, it brings the culture back for everybody. It's, it's it's definitely the passion. I mean, we have uh, an amazing billboard that's just off the seventeenth and fifty second. It's an indigenous-specific billboard. Like they've all got down 17th Avenue. Mm -hmm. They've got the different uh, uh, peoples all the way down. That one was done by a Métis person yeah. who doesn't live too far from here. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of people know that. Not a lot of people have seen that. It's too bad. Yeah. Absolutely. It's right into dedication. It's right behind Canadian Arcana. Just Farvis. Yeah, Just Farvis. <laughs> So Joel, do you have an idea of what uh, what it is? Not at the moment. I think what I'm hearing a lot of is community building. Um, and I, it sounds to me like there's a lot of disconnects between the community. And so I'm hearing a lot of, almost everything we're talking about here is all based on, well, let's get together, let's come together, let's do this, let's, let's build community. So I think just from listening to what you guys are saying, it, it really sounds like, you know, if we want to talk about Métis businesses, we have to come together as a community. If we want to talk about youth events, well, we got to get together as a community. And so it's it's finding those ways that we can connect together. And I like some of the ideas like maybe every Sunday, just every Sunday, if people come here, you don't have to call it church, but we're going to gather here. What we do is maybe some elders will tell some stories for a little while. Maybe we'll just socialize and just have some fun and then we'll go home. 
simple things and things like that. Like I, so I'm hearing these, some of these ideas and they're really good, but almost all of them are connecting to community. And I, I think what I'm sensing is a lot of people are disconnected. Um, you know, you want to learn more about your culture. Well, you have to connect with your community to do that. And so that's, I can, from what I'm hearing, that seems to be the underlying theme. So I guess uh, my question is how do we, how do we, uh, on a regional level, on a local level, on, on a student level, on elders and students and youth and all these different types of people, how do we bring that community together? And is that maybe where a lot of this needs to start? I, I feel like, uh, like we were saying earlier, like some of us, the younger generation, need to step up. And, you know, I'm mm-hmm. saying it goes for a lot of people in the, in the entire nation, right? Like everyone just needs to finally come together and have a reason for us all to um, kind of band together. It's probably a little overdue. Yeah. Well, and for the youth, is there <laughs> is there uh, events that are, I guess, more youth-oriented that you guys would want to do? Like, uh, I don't know, you know, cert- uh, skiing, snowboarding, but do it as a as Métis youth group or stuff like that. Something I don't that's, think you would have one of the elders at that. Probably not. <laughs> well, you go on the trip and tell stories the only way out. But no, just stuff like that. Or is is it worth having youth nights here for whatever, just once a month? You know, I think it'd be worth it. Yeah, yeah. youth groups always go over well. We do. It's a mentorship. They 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 want to feel included. They want to feel like they have some safety. Purpose. Mm-hmm. A purpose. Yeah. It's gonna be fun too. Because mm-hmm. we have events all the time, and there's no youth on dances. Yeah. Like you have it here, you have a place to cook, you have a sound system here, you have a space that doesn't cost you anything. Yeah. And we can work with the local here and get some Wi-Fi maybe going, because that would probably help out too. Oh, for sure. So when it comes to you, that we have all these events and we don't, we don't come out, so we at least know what's going to make it fun for you to come out. And then there needs to be a youth opinion in it. Absolutely. Are you focused? Because a lot of those events are... Older folk driven? No. Well, mm-hmm. it's partially true. I think everything's just becoming more dated. all the time, but I don't know if it's considered fine for our youth. So if we have maybe a little more youth input, mm-hmm. we could maybe add some more things to our events or change things up, or even just have a youth event, a more youth driven event where youth will come out and it'll be a more enjoyable time for them. They'll still get to see because our traditions, your traditions are important, and you, you need to carry that on. But you're not going to come if it's not fun. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where we kind of struggle with because we're always trying to change it or do something different. Or what can we add? Or can we have some different music? musicians come out and play maybe a little pepper, peppery, uh, I don't know, peppy music or yeah, bees. Uh, like, have you guys seen the National Stompers? <coughs> the what? National Stompers. Those guys, I went to Washington the first time five years ago, and it was because the only reason I went there was to get presented on a bit for the um, veterans, because he's a Métis artist. So I made comments of him going, three guys said, no, I'm going to set up a tent, because I'm like a whole city girl, I love the city, I love technology, and I love Washington. So they talked me into going, and then Ash and Stockers were there, and 
they were so mean and was so taken by their energy and the music and the upbeat of the dance that I came back here and joined the dance. Well, excuse me. Was it the Ashen Stompers that wrote Morgat Sash? They were from Winnipeg. Yeah, no, I think, wasn't that the one? It was a group that came to the Tosh, and they were the dancers, and they had a whole bunch of ribbons hanging in the middle of the room, and they all picked up a ribbon, and they did their dance, and when they were done, that was a sash with wow. design in it. It was fantastic. If you guys can take a second to put up Ashen's own group in the Finest because I'll tell you that'll join me in like just it's just mind boggling. I invite her. Yeah. Look at that. Look at you. You never used to do that. And last year I took my daughter to Batash and now she's got a passion for culture because she came out to events where she volunteered, but it was the same thing, it was kind of not as fun for her. Like I was forcing her to her culture, then she went to Tosh and seen the upbeat dancing and, and all that, and she is totally connected to her culture. And I think the Tosh is a lot. That'll be one of the first big trips next summer as you all get together and go out there. Mm-hmm. We've been. We we're going to go this year, but we didn't have a little would, would some of the technology kind of help connect too? Because, yeah. I mean, there's YouTube, there's podcasts, there's all these things that, would that help you guys at all connect, like find that connection? Um, one of the thoughts I've had for a long time is um, is actually just uh, recording elders, um, having them tell their family story, whatever stories they want, but just do like a one-hour uh, YouTube video or something with an elder. Would Is that something you guys could... Maybe get in. I mean, an hour seems a little long, but uh, I don't know if that would be. There's just some thoughts. I mean, because there is be technology to be used. For the youth, rather than just a podcast and sit there and watch it, does it have to be more interactive? Possibly. Yeah. Or maybe even taking the events that are happening and putting them on YouTube and putting them on more of these media you so know. that they can see the events going on and go, hey, that actually does look kind of fun. Because when you hear it on a poster, you go, Okay, well, I don't jig and I don't know how to fiddle, and they're doing jigging and fiddling contests, so that's great. So, but maybe just by seeing it, like you guys went to Batosh, you saw it, you got excited. Well, if you can't get to Batosh, how do you see that? If you can't get to the event, how do you see that? And so that might be an idea too to use technology. You know, when we do have events, let's—I don't know if you want to live stream or just record it, and then. Get somebody to just do a little quick video edit and put it on YouTube. Well, Something like that. Into like uh, almost reverse mentor. Because yeah. some of our seniors or some of our adults don't know a lot about technology when it comes to YouTube, when it comes to Snapchat, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And while our younger generation is learning from our seniors and elders, they could also be teaching them about what's current, what's relevant. That's a great idea, yeah. Nowadays, so that they're a little more in tune with how to connect with the younger generation as well. <laughs> no, I'm not saying it's going to happen overnight. <laughs> no, but that's a great idea because that's that's how maybe how you can drive some youth to get involved. Like if you have some youth that are going to SAIT 
for you know journalism and stuff well get them to come and video and and do video editing and stuff on the events exactly like how to turn off airplane mode and stuff Elders on Instagram, that's what you need. There's only four or five elders, I believe. Like you know, like there's lots of seniors, but the actual elder title is a very limited title. And so, uh, I think that you know, elders is a wonderful thing, but the seniors is something that's that's right there for us. To get an elder to come out is like there's so few of them, but to get the the seniors out and get that communication with each other, I think that that's you know, as you said, maybe the starting point. Yeah. I find there's so many seniors that have more information than elders to say. Yes. And if you guys connected with them, you probably could learn a lot more. Well, that's just it, though. Seniors, seniors, you know, get the seniors and the youth involved together. Make it a once-a-month type of thing to start with. That's how we start building relationships. That is our starting point. That is what we need to do. Right, and that stems to what we were talking about earlier. And our seniors need help. Our seniors need help with landscaping, maybe stuff around the house. That is where we should come into play by helping each other. Métis helping Métis. Right? That's that's how I see it, at least. So, are we getting the most? The, the thing I hear a lot of is Métis helping Métis. That mm-hmm. there might be the the uh, biggest takeaway we get from this is that as a community we come together and Métis help Métis. In doing that, we take a look at business economics and we're talking about that again, the Métis business directory and about Métis helping Métis, going about it that way. I think that that might be the starting point of this whole meeting here tonight and the first opportunity for our nation to take a step forward with each other, with Métis helping Métis. So how do we identify the Métis? Because that's one of the barriers is who are the Métis? How do we how do we tap into the Métis? I don't think it matters. Where do we go? You know, like, there's people that are Métis 
by blood, and there's Métis that are people by spirit. Well, no, but even though you can But that's where the youth come in, because we have we have the social media aspects, we have the word of mouth, we have too many friends and shit. You know, we were able to pass this information along through every channel. One post can get to thousands of people. Yeah. And I think it takes time to build that. I mean, it does take time you'll start with sure. 10, then it'll be 15, and it'll be 20, and it, it'll grow. It, it'll be a process, but, but I mean, this is absolutely. what we're trying to work towards. Yeah. So what we've talked about today, and these ideas that we've written down with the 15 people that have come to here to express their concerns with seniors, adults, and youth, how can we take these ideas on these pieces of paper that we've written down and make them aware in our community? How can we take these ideas and put them on a Facebook page where people can be made aware of what we're looking at from this first meeting forward? That's something the youth to do because I don't know how to do it. Yeah, I feel like it does have to be youth reaching out to you. 100%. Because like, I didn't even know this was happening until Tori was like, you have to come with me. Like, just come with me. So finally I was like, okay, I'm coming <laughs> So, like, I had no idea this was happening. She's like, hey, we're doing a podcast. You said that last week. And then again, she's like, you gotta come. (laughs) Right, but this is where it starts. Mm -hmm. I get told to come somewhere. So I tell someone to come somewhere. We tell someone to come somewhere. And then it builds from there. We had... No, go ahead. I was just going to say, go back to how you mentioned our consistency. You just pick a day, maybe. First, yeah. One thing that I've heard um, from a lot of people that I've come across, um, I, I think there's a real divide with people as to who can get their card, who can't get their card, who feel like they don't belong, who feel like they do belong. And so I think for, for you know, you asked how can we, how can we, you know, come to get people to start coming together and there's, you know, 16 or 20,000 Métis in Calgary, how do we get them? I've come across a lot of people that are afraid because they've, they didn't grow up with the culture, but they are, but they don't know what that means. So they're afraid to come and sit in a room full of Métis who it's intimidating. And I think, you know, having these like get togethers or building community where it's just consistent and it's very casual. I think that'll probably alleviate a lot of those fears or get people to, to come out, you know, so it's, it's building that, uh, I didn't say the word. <laughs> Thank inclusiveness. Yeah. But I think the message out there, it's like, sorry, um, with the Maple Association, they don't realize it's an association and then they think that 
when you get your card, it's our way Yes. Yeah. But it's a membership card. That's it. It doesn't. It just kind of self-identifies like you belong to the Métis Association, but it's not. You don't. The Métis, like you're. You think once you take that card, you're taking your Métis rights away. And I'm like, well, no. It's just a club. There's. There's no. Mm-hmm. There's nothing out there saying that you can't be Métis. You are Métis. If you self-identify as Métis, you're Métis. Mm-hmm. Right. That card's not going to say you're Métis. It's an association, yeah. right? And it's, it's an association that the Métis associated with, right? Yeah. But that identity that I self-identify piece is who you are. Right. And there's that misconception. Yeah, absolutely. But also, with having that card, you have the ability to vote. Without that card, you cannot vote. And that is what we need, is more younger voters. It only goes so far with the elders, with the seniors, with the adults. We need our younger generations included in understanding and able to know what's happening with Métis politics. So that as the generations go on, they actually have a clue as to what's going on. So right. that card is important for everyone to vote. Yeah. And it's yeah. important that yeah. you keep them because you have to carry on. Exactly. We're not going to be here. Exactly. I, I think all the events and all the stuff that we've done up to this point has been to scale to the amount of people that actually do come out. Mm-hmm. Now, as younger people get involved, that scale is going to get much bigger and it will expand with you guys. So it'll actually evolve, and it'll get larger and larger and larger. But you guys will have the capabilities to actually be able to work with that, mm-hmm. to have bigger venues, to have bigger events, to have Métis uh, business directories, to have all of that stuff that we're talking about. You'll have those capabilities because you'll be helping to build that. And I think that's the difference maker right now, yeah. is you guys get to work with us to be able to mold the future. The direction that you really needed to go. And it benefits everybody. You know, it really does. Because just like I said, I would like to see young people come in to learn how to do the cook for the functions mm-hmm. and how to prepare the things. You get to benefit by that. I would get to benefit by I could sit out there and say, Look at those girls. I <laughs> look at what they're doing. doing. Look sure. how smart they are. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm always thinking, like, man, I wish I got my mom to teach you more. Cooking, I would love to go out and do something like that, but it's yeah. a matter of knowing when it's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, having the seniors and the elders reach out to us, whether it be for a smaller function, whether it be for a massive function, like mm-hmm. there are youth who want to promote and do these things, we just have no way of knowing when they're happening. So, again, it stems back to that communication thing. Mm-hmm. No, that's a good point. I'm just gonna have to put that out. Because yeah. you were saying they want to get involved. I think you made a point about it. I think Region 3 needs to maybe start growing with the times a bit, maybe stepping up a bit um, and getting the word out there because obviously words, people aren't hearing about it. They have these events all the time. So maybe they need to hire someone to do this stuff or they need to maybe add some duties so someone can get the word out or maybe some volunteers. But I think, you know, Region 3 is region not getting the word to our youth and the other people. Multiple streams of media. 
Yeah. Maybe need to phrase it a little differently because it's always been said, oh, we can use volunteers. Like, and yeah, these people are saying, do like you volunteers for what? Yeah. What do you want me to do? <laughs> maybe if yeah. we would put it out there and say, we would would like some young volunteers to learn learn right. the art of how to run the kitchen and stuff. That might draw you in a little more. Yeah, like rephrasing it like that. You know? Yeah. Because yeah, they're then, offering you something that you're going to benefit by. Yeah. Something like that, I believe, with young adults coming out and feeling that they are involved and feeling some pride in painting the local, helping to re-roof the local, doing the plumbing in the local. <laughs> yeah. You know, all these Learning things. Those things. Yes. But having this youth come out and actually taking an active participation in it so they feel valued. Because right now, I don't know anybody, you know, there's, there's some people in the local that take care of the local, and they beg for help. They want help. They want volunteers. But nobody knows or hears about this. And so I think that really comes down to the regional president to be able to take it to that next level. Yep. Yeah, it's really, yeah. yeah Mark is like, do you need skills? Because I don't know how to do a lot of, like, maintenance. <laughs> so it's like, do you need to I've got no clue. Yeah, like... <laughs> Exactly. There's so much that a person can learn. Like, when I grew up, I was never told, I was always told, don't say you don't know how to do it. If you don't, then you better figure it out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my sewing machine broke down a couple of weeks ago. I figured it out. You figured it out. I got so, new belts, and I re- put in the new belts, and it's working yeah. great. How do we get the Métis Nobody helping should. the Métis? I think a nice, like, even when we were starting this group, we were talking about on the, um, what were you just Local? They were talking about maybe if one person got in there and they were talking about getting an advisory council together, where people from the community that knew things could come together and say, what do we need? And if he said he'd like to bring in the youth, but even if we started with our youth group and did an advisory council with the seniors and get everyone's words started and build from there, then maybe everything else will take shape by that, right? Mm-hmm. And then we can do events for, like, say, someone with the trades of mechanics and teach you guys how to do an oil change. <coughs> and then we can have an event where we do the oil changes. If the elders bring, just get the oil and that from the store, it's a lot cheaper. Oh, yes. Then have the youth and the People that are teaching them change the oil for the seniors for the day, or you know, and you're still getting back to the community and like, things like that can be decided by the advisory council, and then you guys can start again. And that's always a start, too, mm-hmm. because if they start with little things, then the men that want to go into mechanics will have that in the background. They're not going to go to somebody and say, Well, I want to learn how to be a mechanic, but I don't even know how to how to undo the bolt or, you know, you're coming in where you can say, well, I've done this and, and I've done that, you know, you know within the community. And that's, that's a good point because that's a segue to uh, so getting involved with, yeah, with, with AT uh, businesses that provide apprenticeships and stuff like that. It's, it's starting that segue to what am I really good at? What am I not good at? And I wanted to go this direction, but learning from the people in my community, I've really figured out that I wanted to go into art school, or I wanted to go uh, become a mechanic, or a baker, or something like that. 
It's taking advantage of your community members and the knowledge that they have. Try those things out, and if you're not, it's not for you, then try something else. Exactly. It could even be something that you've never even thought of that. Like, I fell into my position years ago as a youth worker. I was a CDA in Ottawa, the auto finishing cabinet making, and then I was doing school for human resource management in the friendship center called me up and said, come get into this. I said, I didn't apply for the job. And then I said, I don't have social work. And she's like, no, your name is me. So come to us. So I went and I outbeat six social workers because I had a passion of coaching soccer and working with you. And that's how I got into my position doing that. And I found myself. But it was through my cultural connections. So I'm trying that move schools but I just knocked out because I don't have a bachelor of education. Yes. I could teach them far more than any of the teachers in that school. But I couldn't get it because I didn't have a VA. I think uh it it is, absolutely. Um unfortunately I think we, we need to wrap it up a little bit here, but um I do think there were some really phenomenal ideas here. Uh and I think the really encouraging thing is we had youth and, and we had elders and everybody wants to connect. So on both sides, every and with everybody here, they want to connect. So I think really that's the starting point. Everybody's got a desire to connect and build community. So I think that's one of the the big positives of this. Um, but I think there there's a lot of great ideas, and I think moving forward with after these elections and what 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 happens, uh, where do we go as a local as a regional? I think we got some great ideas. Um, I want to thank everybody for coming tonight uh, and being part of this and let me record it and put it on our podcast. Uh, and we can, I can explain all that to you after we're done here. But, um, and I really want to thank Joe and his campaign team for, for uh, sponsoring this event um, and allowing people to come together and openly speak. So um, a huge thank you to you guys. This, Cause this was for you guys. This was about you guys. And I, I think you guys had a lot of great points to make. So thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Again, I apologize if the audio is a little bit difficult at times. Uh, We will be working to do better at the next big group conversation. But I do want to say thank you to everybody who came once again for sharing and, and really speaking their words from their heart. Uh, It means a lot to me. It meant a lot to the people there. So I really want to thank everybody that was there. And I want to thank Joe, Joe Pimlot's campaign, uh, him and his campaign team for organizing this event. I think it's a really important event. And I know that uh, these elections are getting really into the hot seat now or down to the last couple weeks. But I think these are conversations that we need to start already looking past the elections and saying, what can we start doing? Um, so I think they're important conversations to have. And I think for everybody who listens... If you want to take this to your community and say, hey, you know what, let's have this conversation. Let's sit down and let's find some youth and, and let's work on, on engaging the youth more and, and bringing them in more and, and seeing what they want rather than what we think they want. Um, so I think that's a great conversation to have. I encourage everybody to have it. And I really want to thank the youth for being there uh, and taking the time out of their day to, uh, to share with us. It was really important. So until next week, uh, guys, we'll be back next week. Me and Jason will be ranting and raving as usual. There's some juicy stuff coming out. And once again, I'm going to have to narrow it down because I think there's too many topics. But uh, 
we'll do what we can for you guys. And I hope you guys enjoyed the show. I hope you guys enjoy keep enjoying the show. And don't forget, we have a Patreon page that if you sign up on, well, I think we got three more spots left before uh, we give away the mug and the flag. So head over there for the price of a cup of coffee. You can win a Métis flag. Come on. So there's always that. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed. And until next week, um, stay awesome, stay happy out there. And uh, that's it for now. So the jig is up. You are the spark that's starting a fire that will spread across this land. And it will be a fire that doesn't burn, but a fire that cleanses, a fire that ignites in our hearts and creates light. <laughs>